This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. This is Baseball Outside the Box with Peter Caliendo. Innovative thoughts from baseball's best coaching minds from around the world. Brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, former USA Baseball National Team coach, Peter Caliendo. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you're at in the U.S. and around the world. Welcome to Baseball Outside the Box. We are, for the first time ever, in studio at Baseball Outside the Box, our first guest in studio. Before we start, don't forget, go to BaseballOutsideTheBox.com. Check us out on the audio part, but also special thanks to ESPN Honolulu for hosting us. Go to their website. You can check the show out and the audio, and we are streaming live on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. So if you're on Facebook and you got any questions for our guests, go ahead and type it in the comments section and we will get those questions answered right live for you. But listen, today, today's show, um, I wanted to bring this discussion up because, um, you know, I just had an article we pulled up recently, put it on Facebook, and it was about eight-year-old players, eight-year players, where all the injuries uh, occur. But we wanted to piggyback also, not just the injuries that are going on, but we want to talk about, you know, a lot of parents are spending a lot of money on their kids' development at a very young age. And we get it. We want, you know, parents want to help their kids. All we want to do on the show is we want to give them some guidance because I think, and I think our guest, I'm going to introduce him in a second, understands the same thing very well. We're spending a lot of money in areas we may not have to spend that money in, or we may want to redirect that money to another area that helps young people, boys and girls develop in the game of baseball the proper way, the safe way, and the fun way. That's the way what we're trying to do. So let me introduce you. I couldn't have a better guess for this. My, one of my mentors I've known since high school, I was playing third base at Elmwood Park High School when Coach Ayers was coaching high school at Fenton High School. So think about that one. Huh? Um, now, I, all I got to say is this, Illinois High School Hall of Fame and the American Baseball Coaches Association Baseball Coaches Hall of Fame. There's no greater Hall of Fame uh, than the ABCA. So that tells everything about Coach Ayers. So let me welcome first time in the studio, my friend, Coach Ayers. I'm doing great. Thanks. That's a wonderful introduction. All right, man. We got some photos <laughs> coming on too. Oh, yeah. while, while the show's got, going on. Got the press secretary here taking photos. Absolutely. Right. We're going big time now. And remember, folks, big time. Type in Facebook, the comments section, any questions you might have. And I want to thank everybody in the U.S. and around the world for joining us. We're over 100 countries where coaches, players, and parents are listening or watching the show. And special thanks to all of you for spreading the show. Really appreciate it. Hey, uh, you know what? Here's how we're going to start the show. I think there's a great way to do it. Coach Ayers, um, first of all, I, I want to give a background on, you know, when you and I, you know, I was playing Fenton High School in Elmwood Park High School, and then we are playing at Fenton. I was playing third. She didn't know me right away, but you're always talking to me. Why would you, I'd be interesting to know this. Why would you talk to the, to the third baseman? Yeah. <laughs> and that's what, and, you know, we, we weren't very good. And the only way we were going to do, you know, I didn't have guys hitting it out of the park. Uh, we're going to, we're going to put the ball down on the ground. We're going to try to put a bunt down and beat it out. 
Maybe steal a base, cycle a run. That's it. Uh, so if I can get the third baseman to bobble the ball and maybe not make a play, you know, we're, we're going to steal a run. So it's all about, you know, trying to distract guys. Makes sense. I don't know if that's very ethical. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, here, here's the other part. Um, um, Sure, folks are going to ask, you know, coach has been pretty delicate in some ways, but I mean, your coaching career, all the things you've oh been through, why, does it, why would this make you an authority on what we're going to talk about here in a minute? Well, I've seen the 54 years of coaching baseball. A few things stay. A few things that have stayed have been tried and true for decades there's a few things coming coming along with high-speed film computer digitizer um all the cybernetic stuff um, you know there's a lot of good stuff coming along the problem is uh, how do i how do i use it sometimes and there's all you know where i'm a high school coach um it's we don't have that much time so i try to pick and choose the things that i can quickly adapt that are really meaningful to our to would be to our players and uh implement it into our program yeah but you've, you've also had your son played baseball since he was a young kid oh yeah you've been involved in the doyle baseball schools you've been involved in mickey own baseball schools so i mean we're talking about you've been involved with kids from five years old all the way to professionals right which perspective of what loves the game of baseball and wants to get better and, and it's yeah thanks Pete all, all coaches regardless of age or how old the kids are or who you coach do no harm so by that I mean you, you got to be pretty knowledgeable so you're not going to hurt somebody or they're going to get hurt because something that we're doing so safety ought to come first little kids just little kids uh seven eight six years old you've got to give them a bad rule what's the bad rule if you give a little kid a bat and he's up there what's he going to do he's going to swing the bat okay you know he's not going to hit a little another little kid that would be horrible so one of the first things you ought to teach is the bad rule if they have a bat in their hand and they're not in the hitting drill of some nature they carry the bat by the bat head that way they won't swing it safety first you got to be careful I mean, I don't want to talk to a mom that said, you know, you're, we just, your boy just got hit in the head and he's gone away the ambulance down in the hospital. I don't want that conversation. Thanks anyway. Yeah. And we're trying to, you know, the other part of all this is we're trying to have fun. Everybody oh, always yeah. talks about having fun and, you know, it, it, everybody thinks it's easy to have fun in baseball. It's not a sport that really, you know, there's a lot of action. You got to make action and that happens in practice. But, but, I, but I do want to, I want to start with this because, you know, there's a lot of parents out there, and I think it's a great way to start the, the segue. And by the way, just so you know, I want to warn you, uh, Coach Ayers is the straight shooter, so he's going to tell it the way it is. He's not going to sugarcoat it. He's not going to be around the bush because it needs to be straight on all of this stuff. Um, because, again, we are just trying to help parents understand where do they start. I've got a young kid that's 
you know, uh, here's here's a great place to start. I know I'll throw it at you, and we haven't scripted anything. Just so you know, no. this is all you know a discussion. That's what we love to have here on Baseball Outside the Box. But you know, personally, and everybody's got an opinion, but hopefully I can back it up with some facts. Also, maybe sometimes we back it up with science. You know, and I know people are going to get mad at me. I'm not a big T-ball person. Um, you know, my my kid's five years old. Why? I'm, I mean, I've said it on the show before many times, big ball and all that. Um, but most kids do start off playing T-ball, right? Right. Okay, so um, that's a good place for, for kids to start. Somewhere young, if they enjoy it, seeing them involved. Is it where they want to do it? Is it you want to throw them into it and see what they think it's, you know, do they like it? Well, my grandson is that age. There you go. Okay. So he's playing T-ball five years old. Now he's an heirs. Are you kidding me? And I see him sitting down in the infield building dirt piles. It's my grandson. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Welcome to my world. <laughs> okay. That's the way it is. He's five. Okay. Their attention span is about as length of an ant. Okay. But that's not the point. We're exposing him to an activity. Our activity is baseball. And we, therefore, it's really important to have fun. You've got to figure out all kinds of little ways to have it fun. Uh, that would be my, and if you can teach, and I told my son this, who happened to be his coach, who was a Division One baseball player, who was with me for years and years and years and years uh, with Doyle baseball and all my games I, I coached in and played for me. You got to have fun. So you got to figure out ways for little kids to have fun. Um, and it may be silly fun at times. Why? Because five-year-olds are silly. And that's great. Isn't it great? They're not always going to be five, though. I got news for everybody. I wish they were because I love my little grandson at five. You know, uh, and, and, and think about five years old. Uh, you know, if you live in the U.S., you know, baseball cards can be pretty interesting, right? You can get them anywhere you want. I know Coach Jairz and I have done this, whether it was with Doyle or baseball or Mickey on baseball school. You know, sometimes you want kids to, to, you know, they're doing well, you give them a baseball card. Maybe they answer a question. Maybe they're hustling. Give them a baseball card. But on the flip side, they're not hustling. They're not paying attention. They take that card back. It's kind of a fun, you know, game for them to play. You won the card, you lose the card. Yep. And yeah. then they win. They win. They they understand what it is to earn something, and sometimes it gets taken away. Just a simple game. See how fast you can run. Yeah. See how fast you can run to first base. Most five years olds, excuse me, most five year olds don't know what first base even is. You have to show them first base. They have to run there. And half the time, they're going to run there with their bat. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> you have to teach them every little aspect of putting, dropping the bat. Not throwing the bat. Maybe hitting another youngster. Dropping the bat. Run to first. See how fast you can get the first. Get down there. Congratulate them. Nice running. My son was about eight. <clears throat> I'm embarrassed to say this. Um, my wife told me, if you don't ease up on, on Steve, he's not going to like playing baseball. You better figure out some 
pace to to wow that was a that was a bullet hit me right there right between the eyes okay what i do i thought well i gotta figure it out i i took a pack of three by five cards just like these right over there the pete has give me that we got everything in the studio i took a pack of cards just like this and a pen and i put them in my back pocket he's eight years old and i okay so that he did correct. Wow! He knew he had. He knew where to get to the batter's box, and he ran to first. Wow! Nobody said a word to him. Are you kidding me? So instead of thinking about the one time that he muffed the ground ball, I had all, all these things that I could talk to him about, about how great it was that he knew how to do these things. Guess what happened? Our ride home was always fun. Dads, when you win the game, who does your boy go home with? You. When he doesn't have a good game, who does he go home with? Your wife. <laughs> Why? She loves him. She doesn't talk about baseball. We drill them on what they did wrong. Bad information, negative game, and we wonder why we're losing youngsters. We got to flip that equation quickly. So that's just one little hint that I would say. Let's reward our kids. And, and that has to go all the way through. Okay, I know major leaguers that beat themselves up horribly and struggle because of their mental approach, and they need help too. So this never ends. And as a coach, I constantly remind myself of that because I can be, you know, I think errors need to be pointed out to high school kids, pro guys, college kids. I think they need to be pointed out. I think we need to address those. I think we need to talk about how to fix those. Okay? But I don't think we need to beat them up on it. Excellent stuff. And I'll tell you what, I think everybody will agree on that, how important the mental part of the game is starting from a young kid. And I think it's a great place. And, folks, thanks for joining us on Facebook. A lot of people, if you got any questions for Coach Ayers, just type them in the comments section. Um, I know we got Randy. We Randy, how you doing, bud? We see a lot of people on here. Nikki Wu from uh, Serbia. What's up, buddy? Hey, Nick. Jim Lawler. Um, oh my goodness! Some great baseball people online. You know, so number Jim Lawler's a dude. Number one. Number one. There's a dude, Lawler. If we took anything from this first part, that is, and we talk about it on a show all the time. We want to keep kids. The goal is to keep kids in the game long term, not short term. And if we're going to keep them in long term, we got to start with what Coach Air is talking about, the mental part of the game, staying positive. It's not easy to do. Start that early and keep them going because eventually, and this is what we're going to get to now, eventually what's going to happen is at a certain age, and I keep hearing this excuse, I call it an excuse, at a certain age, they're going to say, well, they're going to do something else because, uh, you know, they're 14 and 15. They're going to drop out of the game. Well, I, I got a little notice for you. I, I was a player. If I'm having fun, why would I drop out of a sport I'm having fun doing? No, no. I'm dropping out for a lot of other reasons. We're going to talk about those reasons. But before we do, here's the next step of all this. When I was young, you know, my parents didn't have a lot of money. My dad was a blue collar worker. He tried to do whatever he could for us, you know, to help out, obviously. We, and 
I saw a baseball school called Mickey Owen Baseball School in Baseball Digest. And I told my parents, and I, excuse me, I asked my parents, can I go? I really, and they knew how much I love baseball, right? So whether I'm 12, 13, or 14, I happen to be at that time 14, but whether, let's say I'm 11 years old, and now I asked my parents to do that. I want to go to a baseball school because I want to get better. Um, that's a good start. That's an excellent start. Right? So, I mean, for a parent to invest some money in that area, wouldn't, you know, but now we don't have as many baseball schools anymore. It's not a bad beginning. No, but there are universities out there that do have baseball schools in the summer. Uh, I'll flip this a little bit. My granddaughter, who was uh, 11 or 12, maybe, went to some college soccer schools in the summer. Oh, my goodness. She had a wonderful time. It was fun. It was away from It was a totally new experience she had never met before. That's part of the growing up procedures. Talking to people who have a similar interest that she does. She came out and on fire. The following year, what happened? They went on a little trip. And she's so excited about soccer. They were in Boston. So where did she want to go? This shocked me. Brown. I don't want to pay that bill. How about, how about this one? Harvard. Wow. <laughs> Are you kidding me? And be you. She went to every one of those schools. She knows how tough they are academically. That didn't even bother her. Okay? That is a wonderful experience for a girl or anybody. So I, I think those experiences are lifelong learning experiences. And that's one of the things that's really hard to accomplish. That, that we, we want, we are in as parents for the long run. And in this case, it's my granddaughter. So what, after I see her, her face and how excited she was, I said to her in, in, uh, at the end of the summer, I said, next year, I want you to pick out the school you want to go to. I don't care where it is. I'll pay for the whole thing. You get in there, the whole cost of the school. She was obviously really excited. That's what I, a positive mindset, encouragement. Okay, that's and and now she's been asked to go to a big tournament in Florida. She's just 13, so things are coming together in in the right. But I think it comes starts with the the proper uh, mental frame and support that moms and dads need to give, and it's tough. And it, sometimes in this case, maybe a little expensive too, but. I mean, I'm not going to deny my granddaughter she, if she can get into. Harvard, would I deny her that opportunity? Uh, no. All right, folks, we're going to, we will take some questions off Facebook and also mention some comments. But, you know, okay, now we're getting to the point where a youngster is deciding to play baseball a little bit more serious. And now we've got the travel programs coming. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about travel programs because what I'm trying to do here, folks, I'm trying to let parents understand a certain, a certain budget that you have because the ultimate goal, we know it. We know what the ultimate goal for a lot of parents are. So you don't even have to tell us. That is, they're trying to get a scholarship for their kids um, in baseball. And Coach Aaron's gonna, we're going to cover the scholarship area because there's a lot of misnomers out there. Um, but at the same time, you only have so much money that you're going to spend, you know, for your kids to develop in a game of baseball. You got travel programs who are going to come recruit your kids, or maybe your kid wants to play in a travel program. How do we, because you brought an interesting point when you and I were talking about, how does a parent figure out 
what travel program, what coach even, you know, where, where do they start? Because that's not an easy process. You go, you know, there's a lot of people you might believe might be good and sometimes they're not. And, and that's in all industries. So I'm not talking about a particular you know, program, but in any industry in life in general, there's good, bad and ugly. Um, how do you pick the good ones? Well, for baseball, I, I, my bias is I'd start by asking my high school baseball coach. If I had a 13 year old son, who would you recommend he play for? What do you, what do you recommend that they do this summer? Do you, does your high school have a summer program? Do they have a summer camp? In our case, we run four weeks of summer camp for our high school in uh, down to uh, sixth grade. Four weeks. Every week's different. Um, and that, and we do it every summer. So why that would be, get them exposed to other kids, other coaches, uh, coaches that are uh, different from what their dads are. So I, I think that's where I would start. I'd ask my high school coach, whatever the sport was, who would you recommend? What, in fact, my, my youngest granddaughter asked the high school softball coach, who do you recommend she does pitching lessons with? She's pretty good, but pretty good. It's worse than me, the best too. So, um, <laughs> All right, now let me let me ask you this. Good point. Now, and I, I want to give a shout out to a couple of people. First of all, Hall of Famer Bill Percy from Colorado hey, Springs, Bill. one of our my mentors. I got two mentors. One here, Coach Ayers and Coach Percy online right now on Facebook. Um, okay, now it's your son or daughter. You got some recommendations. Uh, you're gonna do some interviews. I mean, you're just gonna pick somebody. And and once you start talking to some of the people that you know that are travel pro program people that are gonna run the program, what are you gonna ask them? I want to know what uh, I want to watch them first of all. Mm. I want to observe what their coaching demeanors happens to be. I want to watch them in games. I want to watch them in uh, games and in practice if I can. Um, I'll, I'm going to talk to other parents uh, to see if if I can find uh, a parent that's been in that program that is. Uh, really a successful player and see what that parent has to say. If I can talk to them and get them. Okay. A lot of parents are really hesitant to say very much. Uh, I know that that's true with a lot of sports and a lot of different communities, but that's what I would try to pursue. Um, You're basically interviewing these people. Oh, absolutely. Well, no different than picking a college. I mean, you know, it's, it's, right? it's very, very similar. And I want to know what, what, what the, where their background is, where their basis is. Why do you teach subject, such and such? Why is it, where did that come from? Is it a belief teach or is it science-based? Can you prove it by science or is it just what your belief is? For me, that's a big separator. I would think character is on the top of that list. Oh, oh the character of the coach? In today's society, no question. All right, so we're interviewing, we're deciding. Uh, here's a great one, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get to Randy Wee, another great coach here, um, that that kind of piggybacks on what we're about to talk about. But before we get to that, another one would be who's making that decision, you and your wife together? Because moms have a pretty good perspective, I have a pretty good sense of of of, of understanding character. Uh, women, um, boy, I don't know. I could 
Okay. Um, they got that extra what, sense. Yeah, you're 10 <laughs> 4. Um, when my son was being recruited to play college baseball, um, my wife would would go along and say for almost nothing, probably nothing. And uh, she would watch and she would observe. And she would come out of some meetings. Well, that was good. I like that. One meeting in particular, she came out of it and said, you're not playing there. That was not, if, as soon as she, I heard that, you're not playing there. That was non-discussable. She knew, took me months to figure it out. She knew instantly that it wasn't, wouldn't work. That she didn't think this, per, and it ended up to be because later on, some bad things came out about this particular coach and program, and she she nailed it before it even happened. So yeah, I tell kids all the time, take your mother along. Your mother has good sense and feelings about men and whether or not their son, your son, her little boy, uh, can play there. You know, and, and these are great tips, folks. I mean, think about it. Pick who you want to play for. Make sure that's the oh, right yeah. person, the right things they're teaching and all that. You know, uh, Randy, we mentioned it here on Facebook, you know, Des Moines, not all, not all states have them, but in Des Moines, you know, there's high school coaches that run travel programs. My biggest concern, and I'm going to mention it on, on live here, is I want to make sure that anybody that's running a travel program is well-educated, understands the game, understands how to teach it, comes from a teaching background. I think, you, you know, you need to be as educated. If you're going to run a travel program, make sure, please, that you're as educated as possible in the game and that you really care about the kids. Your ultimate goal, again, should be keeping them in the game as long as possible. Yes, you're, you're, you can help them try to, you know, find a college in the future. And we're going to get to that later. Um, but here's the other part of all this. Um, when we're talking about travel programs, and there's good travel programs, there's average travel programs, and then sometimes, unfortunately, like any program, there could be some poor ones. What I found, this is just one area, maybe you can, you know, we, I think we can kind of help in, in this area. What I found was early on, some of the travel programs, the good ones were practicing all the time, even during the season, because you have to maintain your skills. You know, the ones that were not, were not practicing at all. They only, they only would play games and only practice in the winter. Um, well, sometimes the winter skills don't always translate to the summer. So what's your recommendation? Because you're talking about looking at travel programs. So some of the things that other than what you talk about character and all that with coaches, what else are you looking for that they're doing? Because we got travel programs that play every weekend somewhere around the country. You know, does that, do they have to go around the country? Can it just be in two states? You know, there's a lot of ways, a lot of decisions that a parent has to make on before they get into it and possibly make a mistake because it may not fit their youngster. I, I can't think of too many 12-year-olds that have been committed to a Division One program um i think we get the upfront uh, i i would look for programs that depending on the age of course uh but 10 11 12 year olds is it going to be fundamentally based get my fundamentals better am i going baseball teams going to win it's going to be the ones that catch and throw 
That's team goal. So who can teach teaching? Who can teach fielding and throwing? Do they spend time on fielding and throwing? Is there a, is there a protocols for that? Do they have fundamental drills that they work on all the time? Um, it's it's when testosterone kicks in whatever age it is, 12, 13, 14, 15, whatever it is, depending on the individual, that's when, that's when everything changes. Uh, when kids start getting bigger, stronger, quicker, faster, that's when it changes. The first, that's the second building block. The first one is nerve development. That's why kids need to run, jump, gain they could possibly play at a younger age. Uh, testosterone kicks in, they start building muscle development, muscle strength um, program that tries to meet the needs of my son or daughter. That's okay. And that would take an honest assessment on the parent's part. What do they need? Okay. Do they need somebody? Well, I'll, I'll go back to soccer with my granddaughter, the first thing she needed to do, and she was really upset with me because I told her she didn't run very well. That was probably wasn't very tactful on my part. She gets you with somebody that can, you're pretty fast, and you have a lot of stamina, but your running skill set is not the best. And we gotta, we gotta change that if you wanna continue to play soccer. Well, let's just say that you've got to do that if you want to field the ball better and throw it across the infield. Two out of three, you're hitting for a space, but the third one's an error. That won't work. Okay, so we got to fix that. So that that's what I would look for. And, uh, by, and by the way, she found a person that helped change her running. Her whole play got better. Build the fundamentals first. Build, that's all you care about is building the fundamentals first. The rest of it will naturally, rising tides rise all boats. Okay? If you build your fundamentals, the tide's going up, your boat will rise. You will separate yourself from everybody else. Your boat keeps rising. That's key. And it never stops. It never stops. 36-year-olds in the major leagues are pushing their self to keep their bolt rising. Because if it goes down, there's a 20-something-year-old in there looking to take their place. They want that money, too. And remember, if you build it, they will come, right? <laughs> I mean, so you're building a foundation. And this is a great segue because we're going to lead into this. And we're going to we're trying to get to the point where now we start to understand how do we allocate our funds as a parent in what areas to help develop the youngster. But before we do, um, I want to stick just one second with the travel programs again, because you know, Christopher Baum brought up a great point, and I've talked about it on the show before. Um, and look, there's science behind what we're about to talk in a minute here and that is you know some kids especially the young ones and i say young 12 and under are playing way too many games and not practicing enough um and that's that's a problem that's where it's not only creating injuries the kids are dropping out of the game because of it i mean those are facts that are out there 
um, and, and we can show you the science behind what we're about to talk about. But talk about maybe the detriment of playing way too many games, not practicing enough. Well, <clears throat> several years ago, the Tigers were in the World Series and they couldn't field the bunt. Time went on. What did we find out? They hadn't spent any time all season trying to execute a fundamental. There's no fundamentals. <laughs> How long? 20 seconds. Practice your double play footwork as a middle infielder. Two minutes every day. Guess what? You'll stay pretty sharp turning the double play with your double play footwork. Practice it. And all of a sudden, it starts you fumbling around the bag. Guess what? You jumped over your fundamentals. That's why we, that's why we practice fundamentals. Um, and I don't want to get too scientific here on you, but myelin is a substance that wraps around nerves that goes to muscles. And the thicker that myelin is around the nerve, the, the more repetitions you get, the thicker it gets, and the less leakage you're going to have out of the nerves to sending the muscle it's not length of time it's repetitiveness of that so now how do you practice that physical skill yes but one that's way underdeveloped is mental you practice it mentally your brain cannot tell the difference between physically doing it and mentally thinking it that research has been proven over and over again um, you know, great stuff. And then you wonder why the Japanese are so good. What else? Um, when you're not practice, practicing, enough, not only defensively, but pitching-wise, we're talking about injuries, too. Yeah, sometimes what's your best thing? You listen to the, the big boys in the end of August. I'm tired. And everybody who doesn't play thinks, how can you be tired? You're making 30 gazillion dollars a day. You're still tired. Tired is tired. It happens to everybody. Sometimes the best thing to do is rest. Take a little time off. Okay? Do something else. I don't mean sitting in bed all day. I mean, not cranking your body up uh, to go full tilt. Okay, that's why players now are sitting more. That's why we probably will never see uh, Ripken's consecutive games thing even come close to. Um, why? We, we, we realize the importance of, uh, of taking it easy sometimes, backing off. All right, rest is a good thing. Uh, without rest and, and pitching, you're going to get hurt. Um, and that, you know what? Then that's an area because I was going to mention during the season, okay, especially as a pitcher, but even infielders or hitters, eventually your fundamentals are going to be weaker. Eventually your body's going to get weaker. And, so, and, and again, are we creating injuries at a real young age because of that? I think we do. Right. I think we do. Now, they're not, not at a real young age because testosterone, it, it changes everything. But when, when, when you go through puberty and you don't keep up physical activity, you, there's, that's not even close to being discussed. You lose strength, you lose quickness. So I think the first thing you need to do is continually work on being a good athlete. What a concept. Be a good athlete. Okay? How fast can you run? How high can you jump? I mean, I have charts that say if you're six 
and you can jump standing broad jump let's say it's eight foot six that will correlate to i don't have the numbers in front of me um but that'll correlate you can throw uh, a 94 miles an hour what what's that really coordinate telling you just telling you what explosive power he has in the bottom half his legs okay and pitching is a lot of lower half stuff so there's a lot of things about just being a good athlete and i I think that is overlooked. We get asked all the time on a very high profile program at St. Charles North High School in St. Charles, Illinois. We get, what do you guys look for? I just told you, athlete. I'm looking for an athlete. Uh, the baseball, if he's an athlete, the baseball stuff will come, will show up. His skill may not be there, but athletes learn skill when they're shown directly how to do it. It's when they don't know how to move their feet or don't know how to pattern. Uh, a certain movement is when they get, they don't get any better. Great example. Nobody did Michael Jordan's move until Michael Jordan showed them the moves. Six weeks later, we got 20 guys doing Jordan moves. Why? They've never seen it before. Athletes learn from athletes. Okay, Athletes learn from vision. We watch a guy. Wow, look at that. Can you guys do that? Yeah. I don't like private lessons. I like group lessons because group lessons, the kids learn from each other. They may not see it. They may not tell it. Now, parents think it's important. You do one-on-ones. I get that. Okay. I don't think kids learn that way. We don't teach that way in school. Great point. Okay. In school now, if we need some specific help on a math sequence, then we're going to one-on-one. But we're going to group it first, get it going together, and then work out the, each individual as they move down the way. That's the way I teach pitching, too, by the way. If you're joining us on Facebook, you have any questions, type them in. I, did, I do see a couple of questions before I get to them. Um, I'm with my mentor, Coach Ayers, ABCA, <laughs> Hall of Famer, um, Hall of Fame coach, just a great teacher. Now, again, great teaching background, but great coaching background also. Um, and we're getting to the highlight of this a little bit here now because you brought up some great points. Um, and before we do, I just want to mention two things to our folks on Facebook. One, um, you know, when I said the part about you know practicing more than playing, you know, there's a pyramid out there. We'll be glad to send it to you. Uh, email caliendo19 at gmail.com. That pyramid, if you look at the pyramid, the younger you are, the more practices, less games. The older you get, less more practice, excuse me, less practices, more games. Um, and again, that's been done by a lot of countries and been very successful. Countries that don't have 26 million people playing the game of baseball like we do here in the U.S. Um, the second part of that is, Coach Ayers mentioned athletic development. That's why I want to hit on this. I want to start with this. The athletic part, being an athlete, remember you have that window of trainability. You only have a certain age group to be able to develop those athletic skills. You get past that 13, 14 year old age gets a lot tougher. So keep that in mind, folks. So here it is, the total package. We got travel baseball can be great stuff. Tournaments can be great. Showcases can be great in their own place. It depends on the showcases and all that stuff. But all this stuff, Coach Ayers, costs a lot of money. Okay. Now, if you've got a lot of money, I guess no problem, but most people don't. And my concern is a lot of our young kids that are in the suburbs and inner city can't afford to be on a lot of these programs. So now I'm a parent. I've got a limited budget. I've got to prioritize. 
I know that I might play for a travel program, maybe not one that travels the country, maybe just in a certain area of the state, let's say the state of Illinois. I might go to a couple showcases or try one because I'm young. I'm not going to, you know, I don't have to get exposure yet, but at least give it a chance and see what it's like. So I've got to budget, budget all this. And, but more importantly, you said become an athlete. So now we're getting to the core of this because those funds should be now brought to certain areas. And I've got a couple written down here. I'll get it started. One is exactly what you talked about. Hire somebody that will train your athletic footwork. First of all, get an athletic assessment. Athletic college here in Chicago, physical rehabilitation place, great reputation, great people. Every time I've talked to somebody there, I always come away uh, very impressed. That's just one of the groups that I'm sure um, hey, 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 and that's a free sponsorship right there. It's free sponsor, free um, baseball outside the box, athletical. So remember that because if you want to be a sponsor of the show, just give us a call or email me at caliendo19 at gmail.com. But Coach Air's got a great point. There's a lot of places like that. that now, what, what's the purpose of that athletic? To show assessment? you what, what your strength and weaknesses are. Okay. And generally speaking, generally speaking, all of your athletic uh, parts are weak. We aren't very good at running. Most players I see at 15, 14 are physically weak. Um, they need to get a lot stronger. Uh, before <laughs> Some of these kids, that's the size of their uh, bicep, tricep. That's not good. Um, we need to get physically stronger. I can't say that enough. We, we work on it all the time. It's made a huge difference in uh, the success of that athlete. Uh, running strength, flexibility, uh, yoga, yoga exercises. I'm seeing more and more players today that are very unflexible. When you're unflexible, you're gonna pull a muscle, pull a quad, a hammy, lower back. Um, I think those are really important things to do. Um, All right. So money well spent, finding that person that can help you in those areas. Now, I've been on social media a lot and I see a lot of skill development. I see a lot of training of hitters and all this stuff going on, which is great videos. You can learn from that. But I keep going back to this. It's great that you're learning how to hit. It's great that you learn how to pitch. It's great you learn all of this, but you cannot do it to the best of your ability without one thing, and that's great vision. So am I investing money at, right away to get my vision training done so that way my skills are much better? Have you had your son's or daughter's eyes tested? When people grow, their eye vision changes. Ask the experts. That's not my decision. That's a parental decision. Well, a few years ago, we had a great ball player, and he kept on missing the ball, and I couldn't figure it out. Why is he missing the ball? So I finally said to him, have you had your vision check lately? He said, no. I said, I think you need to. Guess what? He couldn't see a lick. Got his got, got glasses, got new, new, new contacts, actually. And guess what? His batting average dropped about 80 points instantly because he could just see better. You know, you talk to Tony Gwynn, well, wouldn't that be great? But if, if you ever had the opportunity, Tony Gwynn could see the pitcher's 
grip and the ball instantly out of his hands. I mean, his vision was legendary. There's a story about him sitting on the bench at San Diego State and couldn't understand why these pitchers weren't picking up this guy's slider. So he was sitting on the bench and for the kid let go of the ball on the mound, he said slider. And the players, what? How do you know that? Well, I can see it. Well, how, how important is vision? This game is real. Baseball is really based on vision. I encourage our guys all the time, have your eyes checked every year before we start. You know, the other aspect of this, and, and we're starting with getting your eyes checked because that's important and it's not as expensive, right? And maybe the youngsters only starting to play at nine, 10 years old. But you know what? They got to hit. And if they see better, the better it is. Now, as you start to get into it a little bit more, now you're talking about vision training. That's critical. That's very critical. How? What do you look at? I, I just had a very, very good friend of mine telling me he, he's a agent type guy oh, he's a sports agent yeah and he, he just had a player sign for 110 million dollars are you kidding me i couldn't even count that i anyway 110 american dollars million dollars wow anyway he, he was talking about what do you he, he wasn't hitting well he said what are you looking at he said he was told by a major league hitting coach to look at the outfield fence and then focus and then pick up the ball. I said, what are you talking about? He says, I, that's, I knew exactly that I was going to say that. You don't find fo focus on the outfield fence. It's too much of a vision distance change. You have to look at the whole picture, soft focus on his helmet, helmet or bat, his, his hat, on his logo on his hat, and then switch to wherever his arm slot is. Go to wherever his arm slot is with your eyes because it's about the same distance depth-wise. That's how you find go from soft focus to fine focus. You got to practice that. Last year, we had an outfielder was getting terrible jumps. What are you looking at? He said, I'm watching the ball all the way from the pitcher's release all the way home. I said, you're looking at the wrong thing. What are you doing watching the ball? I said, you only look at the hit zone. Watch the watch the ball in the hit zone. Watch the bat. You'll pick up the ball, bam, right off the bat. Guess what? He never missed the play after that. So just like babies, they're little things. Don't tell me that little things or little babies don't matter. They do matter. And if you see where we're going here, think about this. Athletic development, vision, strength and conditioning, you know, this takes certain experts in the game that understand these areas. And yes, it's going to cost a little bit. Now we're saying you don't jump in this right away. Like you said, the, let the youngster feel the game, see if they really like it. But once they start to like it and they want to get better, prioritize your investing and make sure that your kids are getting developed properly. Because another part of this, when we put all this together, another part, you mentioned it earlier, um, the mental game. Well, you can't just hire. You can't just hire anybody to train the mental game. You got to understand the mental game a little bit. So now we're talking about somebody else that can help you understand because it is a game of failure. You're gonna fail a lot, right? So now how do I deal with that failure? I know I couldn't do that, but I sure could have needed somebody to help me I'm understand writing, that. I'm writing a whole series of articles to our players. The title of the series is "Pressure to Pleasure." Do you feel pressure? Oh yeah. 
How you, how you feeling? How you feeling when the base is loaded? You're in the state super sectional, and there's two outs, winning runs on second, and you're up. Pressure? I think so. But kids don't know how to deal with pressure. Parents don't know how to deal with it. Moms walk away. They can't watch their boy pitch. They ought to be, oh, gee, I feel so bad for them. I see it all the time, by the way. So you've got to teach. How do you turn pressure to pleasure? First thought process. Aren't I lucky? Look how many people would like to be me. Where does it start? Early. So I asked one of our players who had to be an all-state catcher this year, when, when the tying run was on second base, we're in the 10th inning where you're feeling pressure. And his answer blew our team away. No. I, I knew this was going to come up. I knew it was going to happen. I had planned for it all year. He said, I was so excited. I knew I was going to get a hit. Double left center field. We win. 3-2. 10 innings. That's how you turn pressure into pleasure. You've got to create those serenal, uh, um why are you thinking about that? I'm going to tell you about pressure. Me sitting here with you is pressure. <laughs> and, and how I dealt with that pressure, because I'm older, I don't have to worry about it, is I had a shot of espresso, Italy espresso, Italian espresso. That's wow. how I dealt with it. So, uh, but no, but that's a great point because, you know, really at the top of this um, should be vision, athletic training, and, and mental training. I mean, all of those are, are critical. And understanding, you know, if, if you're going to play the game better. Yeah. I mean, so so if we're talking about that, parents allocating funds, they need to look at these areas first. Yes. And they need to spend time and investment in those areas. Okay. Strength training. Um, look to see, you know, you're pitching wise. You're only going to throw what your body's going to allow you to deaccelerate. It's not going to let you throw your arm so hard that you're going to lose your, your shoulder's going to come out of joint and your rest of your arm is going to go halfway to the catcher. No, that ain't going to happen. So let's work on what works. What works? Backside strength. How do we work at that? Do I got to spin? Who do I got to find? Simple push-ups, chin-ups, dead-ups. And, and, you and you mentioned dips. to me, which I thought was very important. I want to, sorry for the interruption, but I think you mentioned, I want you to remember about this you said, you know, because you could spend money going to a gym. You don't need to do that. You no. can do a lot of stuff at home. We finish a, t a 22 uh, station circuit uh, with 50 push-ups uh, three days a week. Oh, let, let's talk about now. Let, what is an investment in training? Safety first. That's the first part of the investment. Second part of the investment. If you're not willing to put in, and I would say eight weeks, of three days a week at two hours a day of those three days, don't start. Don't don't even go there because you're not going to get what you think you're going to get out of it. It's not easy being a top level elite athlete. Okay, it's hard. It's different. You're not like everybody else. You're different. Okay, so unless you're willing to make that investment, eight weeks, three days a week, minimum. 
two hours each session. Don't start because you're not going to get there. We don't have pixie dust to dump, dump on people. Okay. If I, if I had some, I'd use it for my grandson, my granddaughters. I wouldn't, I wouldn't share it with you. Here's what the success is. Hard work. Continuous hard work. And if you think it's hard as 14, 15 year old, you need to go and watch some major leaguers work out. Everybody thinks these guys just coast through this and the, they just see the they just see the game on TV or at the ballpark. They don't know. You know how hard these guys are working now? Oh my goodness. Are you kidding me? So let's let's talk about Tommy John, all their collateral ligament injuries. What can we do to strengthen that so maybe it won't happen? We do back drills. Actually, got this from a hitting guy. Okay. Wood choppers above her head. Come down. I can't do this here. And just come down for and stop. Just as fast as we can and stop. Okay. When you do that, you'll feel what I'm talking about in the, all the collateral ligament. That's exercise one. Windshield wipers. As far as you can go. You'll feel your forearms and wrists. You'll feel those muscles, tendons, and ligaments get stretched. Okay. Circles. Small, medium, large circles, wrist rolls with a weight, five pound weight on a rope. Okay. Bad hell over your head. Simple exercise, up and down. Gets real easy. Put a weight on it, put a dome on it. Now we're doing these for pitchers. These are hitting exercises, but what am I doing? I'm building strength through range of motion in their forearms. Bob Feller at 17, pitching major leagues. Bob Feller was a country boy, lived on a dairy farm. He milked Bessie the heifer, queen of all the cows. <laughs> His hands were strong. They had big scoops, shovels for grain. His arms are strong. Okay, we don't have country strong anymore. We're in the weight room. It's changed. It's the same. It's changed. But it's the same. Got to figure out ways to get stronger. That's the biggest problem holding kids back today. Strength. They don't have it. And when, and when you're talking about strength for like 12 and under, that's mostly body weight? Or? No, but, no, but it's all body weight for 12 and under. Okay. It's it. They, they aren't going to get stronger. They're going to get a little bit more flexible. They're going to have a little better range of motion. But they're more importantly, they're going to start building a habit of getting learning about strength training. Push-ups, sit-ups, chin-ups, dips uh, for kids before puberty. After puberty, huh, if you go into any good gym next to the machine, they'll have a list of this This exercise does a latissimus dorsi. That's a throwing muscle. Okay? Do it. Pull-downs. Lawnmowers. Rows. Okay? Um, all of those, every gym I've ever been in has those machines that have it on there. So just follow, the, look up on the internet. What muscles do I need to improve strength to throw harder? And, and again, if you go back to your athletic assessment, that's going to tell you They're that. They're going to tell you that. Um, so Coach Air is even saving you money. And that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to prioritize, help parents understand when kids start playing the game of baseball, where do they start? 
and where they finish. And then in between, where am I spending my money? Because ultimately, it, even though there's not many baseball scholarships out there, we're going to talk about that. We're getting close to that. Um, you're, you got to be careful what you're spending. Before you know you're spending so much money, you might as well just pay for college um, because you've had that money spent in baseball. You know, part of the spending and prioritizing, we're not telling people what to do. We're trying to give them advice. Right, direction. A, a, direct, a sense of direction of, because you don't need to do certain things early on. I think one of the ones you don't need to do as early on with the young ages is, is the showcases. Talk oh. about the showcases. When's a good time to start those? What, you know, how do you prepare for them a little bit? What to expect maybe? I think you're totally wasting your money until at least your sophomore year in high school. Okay. What are you, what are, college, what are colleges looking for? Maybe we need to flip that equation a little bit. Why go to a showcase? Somebody sees you. Okay, I see you. You run the 60 and 8.4. Okay. Guess what I've just done? A black line right through your name. Can't play a lick. Great point. Okay. You can't run. Because you didn't hire that at that running coach possibly to help you understand how to run faster. So what 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 do college coaches look for at the next level? What do we look for at our level? High school. We time over one of our guys in the 60 every year. Never fails. We spend a lot of time on running and running for him. Okay. You have to run. If you're going to play beyond high school, almost any division, division three, two, or one, you better run real close to a seven flat 60 yard sprint time. If it's a division one school and not all division ones are the same, you know, we've got some elite schools that are up in the College World Series running year after year. And we've got Division One schools who have never been to the College World Series and probably never get there. So by definition, they're never equal. But let's say you want, you think your boy's good enough to play at a, a high-level, top-level Jim Waller coached at Texas A&M. I can guarantee you when he was the recruiting coordinator at Texas A&M, a gym probably didn't even look at a guy uh, above six eight. I don't know that, but I'm guessing that. Okay, so if you can't run a six eight sixty, a top division one school probably not going to take you. Okay, how, and how do they? They don't even have to go to the showcases. They print it out. I get a printout. Here's what you did in the sixty. So the first criteria for me would be I'm going to look at everybody's. 60 time and i'm going to i'm going to put a line through highlight marker through every player's name okay that was let's just say under seven just to okay i'm going to look at that and then i'm going to look what else then i'm going to look at what else i might be looking at do i need a middle infielder how hard does he throw across the infield what was his double play footwork time i'm going to look at what his assessment was from somebody else not me what they thought of his hitting how did he hit for strength, power, consistent, okay? So there, there's lots of assessments out there. So I don't think most of that comes uh, until we used to sophomore. You know, and great point because now it also goes back to your develop. That's why you're saying develop all these athletic skills. So important. Oh, yeah. All right, now, scholarships. Best way for my son or daughter to get a scholarship? Be a student. There we go. Listen to this. Be a student. 
Why? <laughs> because academic money never goes away. If you get an academic money, it stays. And it, uh, that applies to all three divisions. <coughs> Excuse me. So division one schools have 11.7 scholarships to divide up on their roster. 11.7 total for a 35-man roster, of which I think they can give 28. Then I may not be correct on that number, so don't hold me to my feet to the fire on that one, but, you know, that they can give out. So that's not very good. Everybody, every parent I ever talked to was going to tell you, their boy got a full full ride at university. You know, what's the matter with you? <laughs> well, got a full ride. No, full rides are in baseball, few and far between. Now, here's what you want to do. Academic money. Okay, are you are you insisting on your boy, your girl being a student athlete? Are we spending the time in the thing they ask? Oh, they're grades. What kind of student are they? What kind of human are they? What kind of employer is he? How's he with his teammates? They probably already have assessed his baseball ability. They want to know about the rest of it. Okay? Somewhat the way you would interview for a job. What does a job interview want to know? Can you talk? Can you converse? Do you have some information and knowledge? What's your personality like? Okay? By the way, moms and dads, they want to talk to the player, not you. You got to be very careful, by the way, parents. When you talk, when you go on a recruiting trip, be very, very careful because you're being assessed too. Okay? And I, I know firsthand couple college coaches that have told me I didn't take so much because I knew I wasn't going to get along with them. I, I could tell you a national team program, USA Baseball, that's happened there. Some of the best players in the country uh, have not been picked because of their parents. So I think that's, a, that's great advice. Now, the other part of that education, Coach, is that transfers onto the field too, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Um. We had two boys last last season for us that were very, very good players. Um, both got scholarships to play baseball at the University of Notre Dame. You got to be a student to go to Notre Dame baseball. I don't know about the other sports. I can talk to you about baseball. They were both four-point honor students. AAP students did very well. That, that's, that's what got them into college. They were a student athlete they were great athletes not good athletes they were great all right but you don't go to places like Vanderbilt Michigan Notre Dame Michigan State Northwestern Minnesota Illinois Big Ten schools here in the Midwest I'm talking about now Nebraska Left-handed pitcher went to went to Nebraska. He got a sixty percent scholarship. Okay, guess what he really got? He got about a hundred and forty percent scholarship because he got so much academic money. He didn't take the baseball money hmm. except twenty percent of it. Okay, 
And that's when you could take 20%, which gave him 100% scholarship because he had that much money academically. Are you kidding me? And the college coach loves that because oh, yeah. now they've got extra scholarship money for the baseball side. And it raises their GPA, the dean and all the people, the administration are real happy to see that, gee, we have student athletes here at university. Coach, this has been awesome advice. Listen, the other part of all this, uh, I do want to mention to the travel programs, and now we're talking travel programs because this is not about high school programs right now. It's about travel programs and some other uh, showcases, some other things about allocating the money properly early on and how to understand how to do that as a parent. You know, don't get me wrong. We know a lot of travel programs that the things we're talking about, the athletic development, the vision training, the mental training, they do have that in-house at times in travel programs. Um, so that's great. If they have it in-house, fantastic. But remember, if they don't, then you're going to have to go out and try to find individuals that are good in those areas because you can't do anything without vision. You can't play any sport without vision. So make sure you concentrate on, on getting better in that area now and your fundamental skills. Okay. Now we've talked everything about what parents can do, right? Budget wise and all this, I'm going to flip this for a second. And you didn't know this was coming. Um, you know, any of this was coming actually, this is the best thing about shows, right? You don't know what, what's coming at baseball side the box. We'll throw everything at you. The kitchen sink, some espresso, we throw everything bats. What about now the players, what should they be doing be successful as a player i mean we've said everything that the parents going to help them with you know whether it be trial programs showcases the flag development vision all this stuff but now what's the onus on the player some of the things that they could be doing and i'll give you one example you always hear you know are you a type of player that practices when nobody's looking that type of stuff that's called authentic practice it's the very best place practice you can get it we encourage it we talk about it all the time do you practice it at night before you go to bed do you mentally practice? Huge, huge. People wonder why we're successful year after year. No wonder us. We've been doing it for a long time. You know, it, it takes work. Okay. It takes a commitment for that work, but it also takes, it's not working hard. It's working smart. Mm, good point. Okay. Work smart. Find good people. Um, you might be surprised at the um, at the vision people, your your uh, what do you call the eye doctor? The uh, uh, I forgot what we call them. Eye doctor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Could you could you give me some drills to help me with my vision? There's some great people on the internet that really know uh, your your buddy your buddy uh, doctor. Uh, yeah, coach is talking about slow the game down with Ryan Harrison. Ryan Harrison, yes. Go to slowthegamedown.com again. Vision training because again, you know, you're gonna have to pick the right people to yeah. make sure. There's a lot of people out there saying they know how to do vision, but that's not really their expertise. These guys have been doing it for over 40, 50 years, um, and are and are state of the art. Um, pick the right people for speed training. Okay, what's been their success? What can they show you? What if the kids, what, what do you find out? How about strength training? Same thing. It's going to cost me $500 for this uh, tournament this summer to go to. Okay. Time I get down there, hotel, meals, uh, tournament fee, driving down, what, especially the price of gasoline, et cetera. Could I have spent that $500 better? On strength training, 
yeah, I don't know. You're going to have to assess that, moms and dads. But I can I can tell you this: players pitch too much. They don't play catch enough. How many pitches should they throw? Do you have your boy in a pitch count? Do you track his pitch count? How many pitches should I throw? How much rest do I need? Which is really the key, rest. The, the simple formula for rest is easy. One pitch, one hour's rest. 30 pitches, 30 hours rest. Oh, I pitched 27 pitches on Friday night, saved the game. We won that bad boy. Oh, I got to start tomorrow, Saturday morning. So now I'm coming out and throwing 85. Okay. Oh, Sunday, we're in the championship game. And I got to close because the game's on the line. So I go out and I have to throw three more innings of 72 pitches. We won the tournament. Your boy won't be able to pick up his arm for a few days, but you won that tournament. And he's 14. He's really 14. I've had it happen. Okay. Uh, the vision one pitcher never pitched one inning for us as a junior because a travel program pitched him to the point where he was about ready to break. He sat for a year, a year before he pitched. Ended up playing Division One baseball. But wasn't that a shame? Are we tracking the pitches that our kids are throwing? Can our players say, no, it's not your job, moms and dads. It's your boy's job. He needs to become a man. They need to know the rules. He needs to make sure his coach knows I'm not going to be. And you, you got to be smart. You don't have to be rude. Okay. But you get this established. That's part of finding out about this program. Do they overpitch? I think travel teams have too few players on it. Good point. They have 12. Well, it's all 12 pitch or a three pitch. I want to know that. Now, if all 12 pitch, okay, but if only three pitch, we got a problem. That's that's knowing the program. Especially in weekends, tournaments. You know, let's flip this because, um, you know, I got a comment a couple of times. I think it was a couple of days ago from a coach uh, mentioned, you know, that same scenario you mentioned has happened in high school too, where they've overpitched them. Correct. Now they have high school pitching rules. They have pitch count rules. But here's where I want to get to. You and I have talked about this many, many times, and not even not on the show, but many times. It, it's so important, and it's not always happening, and maybe it might be getting better in certain areas, but that relationship between the high school coach and the travel program is so important because there are a lot of bad relationships. What's the problem out there? What's happening? Why? There's not that communication, and where's the issues at, you think? Well, I think the problem is lack of professionalism, and I'm not going to put it on anybody. I'm going to put it on everybody, hmm. okay? I, I think the professional respect has been broken down to non-existent. That's a shame because the oh. ultimately it's best for what's, you know, what, what it should horrible. be for what's good for the kids. Absolutely horrible. It's terrible. And parents fall in the middle of this too a little bit because well, they got to make a decision sometimes. Right. I'm not blaming parents and kids. Right. They're not the professional. Right. It's supposedly the travel program and the representative of that program, i.e. the coach, in the high school pro program. Ideal I situation. Have, how would you like to see it? If you, you're the high school coach, you've been a high school coach, you're dealing with travel programs. How would you like to see Well, that? I have one one or two travel programs that we deal with. Uh, pretty I deal with pretty consistently. Um, the, the, the Something's going on. 
they usually call me or I call them. But you I started guess. that rapport with them. Oh, absolutely. And, and I felt it was my responsibility to start the rapport with them. It was my responsibility in one case uh, to let them know about pitch counts and how I dealt with it and how I'd like them to deal with it and when to pitch kids and not to pitch kids and what to look for and be careful with this kid because he's, you know, he's coming off an injury mm-hmm. and maybe we should only limit him this weekend, only 30 pitches. That takes an effort on somebody's part to even mention that. Because you guys might be playing during the week and they're playing weekends. They got to know when your guys pitched. Right. And that doesn't happen very much. And that falls a lot of times on our players. And the problem is the players want to play and uh, sometimes they're not forthright with us. Well, now think about it. I'm a 15 year old player. I know. I got my high school coach and I got my travel coach. And now I got to I got to tell them when I want to pitch. Yeah. That's the problem. They're being torn apart. I get that. Yeah. We need a better solution. That's That's what parents need to step in. Okay. Good point. Okay. That's when we need parental prerogative of appropriate discussion with I don't with, with coaches okay we usually will yield if you've pitched on a Saturday or Sunday we probably aren't going to pitch you till Wednesday or Thursday hmm. if we have a game that week and then I, I'm going to say can you pitch let's say it's Thursday well coach I'm supposed to start tomorrow night in a tournament we're in in Timbuktu. And I'll say, okay, I won't pitch you. Why? Because our summer program is a developmental program. It's to so I can see you, so I can assess you, so I can get better feel for how I pro, we're going to project you. Um, that's what the summer program for us is in our situation. It's not worth me here. Safety first. That should be number one. So always number one. And if I know he's going to, and, he, and, he, and I understand he's in a box. He's got to pitch for this team. I get that. Now, the other guy, the other travel program is, I don't, I don't worry about it because uh, he, he knows what he's doing. Um, he, he's, it's a great travel program. He has lots of pitchers. They develop a lot of pitchers. Uh, Everybody wants to play in that program. It's probably one of the best programs in the nation. Um, but there's a flip side to this. There's also now you've got the position players. We just talked about it. I mentioned earlier, I don't think even, I, I don't care what level of travel baseball, high school baseball, I believe you're playing a lot of games. That's fine at a certain age. But I also believe that you need to practice while you're playing. We talked about it earlier. So now we got another problem. You're playing during the week. They're playing during the week. When are we going to practice? We practice during the week. You do, yeah. which is good with the high school program. Right. So if the high school program is practicing three, four times during the week, that saves from the travel program doing they can play the tournaments on the weekends. In fact, we almost start playing games now in the summer. Mostly practice. Practice. Refining skill. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. So what, what my guys may do is, uh, pitchers may do, well, I should say that what we do, we have a very specific program. We do our chords program. We do crossover symmetry. We have dumbbell, like dumbbell workout jokes program. We have a wall program of isometrics. We, uh, we do that. We have our bat swing program that we do. We have 
um, finger presses program so we can grip the ball harder than we do um, all the time. The, these programs are there. Why? What am I repeating? Building myelin sheath all the time. Never stop. Just keep building the myelin sheath. That's uh, the way the best athletes all have it. So I've got to culture, cultivate that, and I got to encourage our guys to do it. I show them a little film. It's repetitive. We have to do it all the time. The problem is when you start building myelin sheath, it's a little bit boring. So you got to figure out ways to mix and match it and change it around a little bit and so on and so forth. That's tough. Okay. So you got to have fun while you're out there. So one of the things I do guys will tell you, man, I got more stories. So I tell them stories so their mind gets off what we're doing. I tell them jokes. Uh, you know, we laugh and giggle. I sing and dance. You know, I make an absolute silliness out of myself some days. Boy, I pay to see that one, folks. I haven't seen that one yet. I've been on co-chairs a long time. But, okay, now, I, that's, that's a great point because we're talking about sometimes that we're too serious in the game. You know, well, the, the, our assistant coaches made us get out of the dugout. Okay. Get the dang pitchers out of here. Well, you're driving us nuts because they're bearing down. They're kind of hitting stuff. So what do we do? We all go to the bullpen. We can go out there to the bullpen and we make fun of people and we laugh and giggle and tell stories and, you know, spit seeds and he hawed up. Okay. And we're not distracting to somebody else, but the fellas have got to know when it's go time. Hey boys, it's go time. Serious says you got to be able to turn it on and turn it off. And we practice it. We practice being ready. We practice being relaxed. And we practice getting thinking about getting ready now. That's my, probably exactly what I said. You know, hey, Ryan, one more hitter. If he doesn't get this guy out, you got to get up and get going quick. But so they know. And when I, you know, I tell them they, they need to have a, their glove. And a ball, a game ball in their glove. We don't hunt around five minutes for stuff. Okay. You better be ready, but you got to practice all of that to be ready. You just don't get ready because you're supposed to get ready. And earlier I asked you what players should be doing. And that's why the reason I brought it up because I love this stuff. You know, a lot of times players are waiting to come to practice to get better. That's a problem sometimes because if I if my backhand's not doing real well and I just made three errors in a game of my backhand or maybe during the week I don't feel good about it. Isn't the question is what are you going to do about it? Exactly. How do you fix it? Yeah, I mean, you, sure, your coach can give you the advice, but you we got to practice it. Got to be on you, the player. Sometimes you don't. But again, we're back to some. You know, if we're in the summer, we're try we're we're traveling all over the place, playing a lot of games. You got to find time to do things on your own. As a most, player, most places you can find a concrete wall back in the dugout. Okay. Yep. You can throw the ball on the wall. Any hotel or yeah. whatever. You ever have a walled up pair of socks? Want to work on your pickoff move? Into the mirror. No excuses. No excuses. Yeah. You know, there's ways to work on things. Folks, I've told this story before, and I don't know if you remember this. You may not have been on a particular show. Had a Japanese team come in from Japan. We went to make a quick story. Went to Chicago White Sox spring training, give Coach Ayers a chance to get some water here. And in the spring training, these guys were 28 years old, average. Uh, they played at high level. Um, we're at Arizona. We're at the hotel. 
10 o'clock at night, they were swinging bats without me even knowing about it. Swinging bats in the back of the hotel and running sprints on their own, getting better. So again, that's why I asked the question, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, it's always wait for the parents to help you, wait for the coach to help you. Uh, but you could wait all day and sometimes not get better. Wait for the number 10 bus. Yeah, exactly. And then you might be on, uh, on that bus all the time yeah, working. Yeah. You're not yeah. playing anymore. You wouldn't be going home on that bus. That's right. <laughs> all right, listen, we, Coach Air has got a function tonight to get to, and and we could do this all day. This is like the Joe Rogan show, man. We've been on for a couple hours, I That's think. That's a great show, by the way. Yeah, it's the best in the world. We're, we're trying to get to that level. It's going to take us a, a few years. Uh, we kind of bring this all together because we've talked about a lot, but the main focus has really been helping parents understand how to spend their, I call it spend their my, money wisely and help. No their simple kids solutions. Occam's razor. The best solution is usually simple, straightforward, simple and straightforward. Okay. Hard work. Nothing beats hard work other than if it's working smart and hard. Okay. Work smart. Try to find out, ask questions, ask your high school coaches. We rarely get asked questions, rarely, okay? Guys are amazed. They'll ask me a question, and I might go on for 10 minutes about something they didn't think I knew anything about, okay? Um, it happens all the time. You know, I don't know what they don't know, nor do you. But I do know if you ask me a question, I may be able to help you find the answer. Okay, I've got some young players this year that are new to our program are just amazed. I never knew this. They said, where did I guys we I saw it. Well, a couple of programs this week made me sick to my stomach because just because I saw it on the Internet doesn't necessarily mean it's the best. I want you to be heads up on that. Uh, you've got to be careful uh, of who you listen to and what advice they give. Um, I would try to find, let's say I'm in, well, if I was in St. Charles, I know one of the parents I'd ask, I'd try to go find a parent that's player has gone, is maybe a freshman or sophomore at the University of whatever. I got two going to Notre Dame. Who did you take your son to? When did he start training? Okay. How hard was it? Okay. I'm telling you, these guys really worked hard. Really, School Baseball Coach Association Player of the Year, an All-American, All-State, three years, by not working hard, but more importantly, smart. Okay. Uh, I'd ask some parents. Um, they may be a little hesitant now sometimes because they may not know you, but I think there's a lot of very smart and very helpful parents out there that can give you a lot of uh, correction, direction, and most importantly, maybe protection from somebody that could hurt your kid. Um, and that that's, <laughs> that's big time too. And players are going to get hurt. Uh, accidents happen sometimes. You slide in the base and break your leg. We had that happen at a 
program you and I were running. Mm -hmm. It was horrible. Compound fracture. Oh my goodness. Um, but he was sliding in second base, hit it a little bit wrong, broke his leg, had a compound fracture. Um, anyway, ask questions. Okay. And you'll, first of all, you're going to learn a lot about your high school coach. Um, parents are, you've only been through this maybe once in your life. I've been through it hundreds of times for 53 years and you don't ask. Okay. So I asked our, I ask our players a lot of questions. Why do you guys want to go to showcases? Answers absolutely blew my mind. I wanted to see what my numbers were. What numbers did you want to know? You threw 80 poo? You think 80 poo or 70 poo is going to get you into a Division I school? Well, it won't. You want to pitch Division I school? You better be probably 90 plus today. 2021. 2022. You want to pitch at a Division One school? You better be high level Division One school. That's a 94, 95 out of high school. Uh, we were lucky. We, our two pitchers are going to Notre Dame. Pitched in the 90s. They can play. But that why they put in hard work for a long period of time. Eight weeks. Eight weeks. Three days a week, two hours minimum, and they lifted besides that. They practice mentally all the time. Mental practice is way undertaught. Ken Revis's book, Baseball 2.0, buy it. Great book, a lot of insight, a lot of wisdom. Yeah, it's not necessarily knowledge that, by the way, gets you to get you there. It's the wisdom of that knowledge will also help. You know, hey, hey, looking forward to seeing some of you guys at the convention, ABCA convention, coming up in Chicago, January 6th. Go to, go to abca.org for the info. Check it out. Great convention. I believe the convention might be sold out, but check it out online. And if it's not, join and come down. Uh, there's over 7,000 baseball coaches that will be there. Uh, and obviously, Coach Ayers is a Hall of Famer for the ABCA, and that's not easy. There's not many high school coaches that are Hall of Famers in the ABCA. There's only a certain number, and he's one in, in, in those numbers. Hey, um, Thanks. And I can't thank you enough. This has been fantastic. I tried to tell you when I sent it for social media, this was going to be an exciting show, a straight shooter. You know, prior to this, we had Ron Kittle, another straight shooter. Check out that show. But Coach Ayers is a straight shooter, and he's been doing it for a long time. And I thought something interesting that he said – He's actually had 54 years of kids um, because think about it. All these players have really been kids to him um, like his own kids because he's had to mentor them and, and mentor them into these areas that we're talking about. Not only the kids, but the parents. So you're right. Why not ask certain people questions? But I thought what more important than that was what you, what you said many times, ask your players questions all the oh, time because you'd be amazed by the answers you get. Absolutely amazed. I love that. I, I'm totally shocked sometimes at the answers I get. Sometimes good, we talk, good and bad. And sometimes you, you say it all the time. We talk too much, not we, listen enough. We don't listen. We don't listen well enough. I was shocked that a player told me that one day. Coach, why why is why does uh, Zach come talk to you all the time? I said, I have no idea. Why he never talks to anybody, does he? No. 
why did she talk to you? I said, I, he says this to me, asked me a question. I said, I don't know. He says, coach, real easy. You listen. Well, you kidding me. Listen to them. You know, you can learn a lot, but just by listening. I think Yogi said that. Yeah. <laughs> Folks, this is a great way to end the show. I want to give a shout out. To, I know we've got a lot of people on social media. Sorry, I couldn't mention everybody. Randall Arms from Mexico, my good buddy. Um, Chris Fanta was on. They're also a sports agent. Um, but listen, special thanks to this man right here. Co-chairs. Uh, my know, pleasure. St. Charles North High School, St. Charles, Illinois, ABC Hall of Fame. Can't thank you enough for being on. My man. pleasure. It's been great. Give the oh, we, go, we go a fist pump and then a handshake. There well, we go. I, I don't know the protocols. Gotta <laughs> go to protocols. That, that's the baseball outside the box protocols. Fist pump and and handshake. Here we go again. There we go. You now the first ever guest in house in studio for baseball outside the box, folks. Special thanks to Coach Air. Special thanks to Brian Crock, our producer with the Lineup Media Group. And, of course, special thanks to everybody in the U.S. and around the world who continuously watches the show, whether it's online, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or it's at ESPN Honolulu. Shout out to everybody in Honolulu. Thank Aloha. you for listening. Aloha. And check it out, baseballoutsidethebox.com. That's also the audio there. Remember what I say all the time. Stay healthy. What else? Stay healthy. Eat well, be get safe. some sleep, be safe. God bless you. See you on the next show. See you, everybody. Take me out tomorrow. Yeah. There you go. Great way to end the show. Thank you, folks. This has been Baseball Outside the Box with Peter Caliendo. Listen online at BaseballOutsideTheBox.com and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and all major podcast outlets. Join the conversation on Facebook and Twitter. Get all of our podcasts now at lineupmedia.fm.